Live from the Shangri-La of South County. Coming to you from rest intestine in the state of disrepair. In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Black. Did you hear that your good gu- your good buddy, uh, Kim Jong-il, he met the South Korean leader, whatever his name is? Yeah, first time a Korean, North Korean uh, official has stepped in the South in like over 50 years. Crazy. Yeah. You can finally yep. see your buddy now. The irony of all this is that uh, if the if the war is officially ended between North and South Korea because uh, Trump did something about it, I guarantee you they'll give the peace prize to Kim Jong Un instead. <laughs> Seriously, that would be pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. They probably will. So how's your new computer? It's cool. Your beast. Uh, What'd you get? So I altered. My uh, my uh, intended setup. Um, I was gonna move my boot drive over to the uh, NVMe drive, and then I thought about it. I'm like, really, what am I saving between a normal SSD and an M.2 drive? As far as browsing the web, like I know your PC boots up like instantly, but it's the the difference is instant to like ten seconds. Yeah, the BIOS probably afford- takes most of the time. Yeah, I can afford 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. Um, and so I thought about it. It's like, well, what are the things that are using the most disk I.O.? And it's these big ass 50 gig games like Guild Wars 2 and Elder Scrolls and all of these new first party games that are coming out, you know, from, uh, uh, you know, EA and all that stuff. And they... that's where I'm going to see the biggest, you know, uh, speed advantage. So I figured, okay, well, I'll just dedicate that M.2 drive to the main games that I play that take forever to load. And I'll just continue using my, what's the SATA three max? Is it 600 megs or something like that? 600 megabytes a second. Um, I, I, I'll just continue using that drive as my boot drive. And if I ever, you know, decide that uh, i'm not liking this and then i just switch them around i could always just image you know image them to my you know nas drive here and then image the data but back to the opposite drives do you notice it uh well i'm currently installing a bunch of games right now on that drive they're downloading so your internet um, is surviving yeah i've got a 200 meg connection so and you got that pfsense router that's able to handle the load yeah um, so yeah, I upgraded to an eighth gen i7 8700K. Um, I only got only got 16 gigs of RAM right now because DDR4 is expensive. Um, I'll probably upgrade to I'll probably get another eight gig kit or another 16 gig kit in the next few months. All right, I found um, your last upgrade. Yeah, it was five years, six years ago, wasn't 2013, it? 2013, January 10th, 2013. Five years you got a ago, new motherboard, right. and I guess an i7 3770K. Yeah, so there's been five generations. That's crazy that we were still doing the show at that point. Yeah, that was episode seven. Crazy. Pea soup. We talked about I, uh, deep sea fishing, camping. Oh, that was a great camping trip. Um, the Mona Pass. And then some camera stuff. Oh, and in, and uh, Vindictus, the Korean game with the the bouncy boobs. Oh uh, yeah, 
Uh, it tells you how long ago that was. I, I think that was last year I played that game. It was five years ago. Yeah, that game didn't last long. I think there's people that still play. It's still going. I'm sure just, the website's still around. Yeah. I'm just not into those games. So, um, uh, I've already noticed the difference with the CPU. Like, once Windows loads up, like, you sign in, everything is instant. Like, yeah, a couple of, like, my startup apps, like, some of those, like, OneNote and stuff, take, like, you know, 10, 15 seconds to load, but pretty much everything else is instant. So, apparently, it's not just the drive that has to do with that. Apparently, CPU processing power does, too. Um, and the Passmark score on this chip is almost twice as high as my previous chip. So, this is, like, a substantial upgrade. It's not like just like a one or two generation hop. It's it's and there's two more cores now too. So um, so far I'm liking it a lot. Um, still using my 970 GTX. I think that's still more than fine for what I play currently. Uh, let, let me see. Where is that GPU benchmark thing? Was it called the user bench? It's a three year old GPU and it's got uh it's still about the same amount of GD. GDDR, what is it, GDDR5? Is that still the latest? Like, they haven't even upgraded the VRAM yet on the new pro- the new GPUs. I know they're a lot, they perform a lot better, but I'm just saying the hardware-wise, they're not, I'm not that far behind right oh, now. Oh, yeah, okay, what I've mind. got. 970, it would be a 56% increase. So that's For, still What, good. to a 1080? Uh, I'm looking at a 1070. 1080, ooh, 96. Yeah, that would be a nice upgrade, actually. Yeah, but the 1080 is like uh, still six hundred dollars. Why? Why wouldn't I just wait until next year when the next car, or actually this year, probably in the next six months when they release the next card that's six hundred dollars in that place, and then they'll probably price drop the 1080. Like, there's no point for me to, yeah. to buy a new GPU right now. Yeah, I don't know what their cycle is. I have an ear infection in my left ear. And yeah. I have to take the left headphone off because it rings anytime I hear like loud noises. Like when I listen to the us talking right now, your infections suck. Yeah. I, uh, every time th- uh, this year, you can probably hear it in my sinuses when I talk right now. I always, always get pollen. Like there's pollen in the air. It's always April, May that I just get fucked up. Like every single day I'm sneezing like crazy. My nose is all irritated. My eyes are watery. Um, and I refuse to take that fucking garbage pharmaceutical crap that people live on. Um, so I just deal with it. It's annoying, but there's only another month or so of it. And then summer comes around and then it's fine. Um, speak. We were talking about games earlier. I... Uh, I've been playing a lot of God of War, the new one that came out, and that game is pretty incredible. Like, I wish that game developers would pour as much time into their games, (coughs) Blizzard cough, uh, that they do. Like, that game is fully crap, like, from, because... It's taking on um, Norse mythology, which is kind of littered throughout human history. You know, like there's different references to things, you know, like 
but I feel like Norse mythology is never really it's not romanticized like Greek mythology is. So people are like people are. Wait, you got a six core chip. Then yeah, the new i7 is a six core. Oh, cool. Sorry, I was just I was looking it up for the show notes. Yeah, the i5 is too. The i3 is a quad now. I don't think Intel makes any more i series dual cores, and maybe unless they put them in laptops like Ultrabooks. But That's as good. far as the desktop line, they're all quad and up. Um, I went with the i7 over the i5 because I want the hyper threading, like that. Because I, I run VMs and I'm going to be running more VMs, and it's yeah, it helps a little. It's I think it helps a lot actually, and the performance difference from the i7 to i5 is pretty substantial for the eighth gen. For eighty more dollars, it was totally worth it. Um, but go, anyway, God of War like playing the first games that are based on Greek mythology, Greek mythology is kind of like, cause, uh, the, the Roman empire kind of, um, before they converted to Christianity, they had the Roman gods, which were basically the same thing as the Greek gods. So you had all that influence throughout Europe and stuff. So everybody knows about Greek mythology. Everyone knows who Zeus, Thor or Zeus, uh, Ares, you know, Athena, all those people are, but, when you think of Norse mythology, you only think of like Odin, Thor, and Loki, and that's it. And you can't really name many others. But like that game, just from like the beginning, like the characters that they introduce and stuff like that, and like the different interpretations of the Norse mythology, are, it's, it's really fucking cool. It, it's super immersive. It feels like you're in like, like a really high production movie, like Lord of the Rings kind of, like as you're playing through it. Um, and, uh, they have like uh, the thing the theme of the god of war games is like you're not a good guy you're like an anti-hero and like the gods are like these oppressive figures that like have to be stopped even though they're like some, they're benevolent in some ways they're also oppressive so they have to be stopped like in this game like i've only come across one god so far and they portray him as like a drunk, belligerent, like freak. Like you saw that video that I linked in the uh, in our group chat, right? Uh, I'm trying to remember it. Did you watch it where he's like, oh, the video? Yeah, yeah. Comes out of the house. It was very cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Balder, which is like he can't feel any pain. Um. So like you could fuck him up until he's like a bloody mess. And then he just like, he just heals himself and like, you can't do anything about it. So like you encounter him in the beginning, but in Norse mythology, he dies, he gets killed. So because God, the God of war games, they take actual events that happen in the different in Greek and in, in this case, Norse mythologies, they take those events and then they twist them to fit the character being involved in those events. So uh, because the the god of war in Greek mythology is Ares, well, Kratos is now the god of war because he killed Ares and took his spot. So you're still the same god from Greek mythology, but now you're in Midgard. So like the gods, like they know that the guy, the Kratos, the guy you're playing at, is also a god, and they see you like encroaching on their territory, but like you don't really know what their motives are. That's why they're like sending things at you and stuff like that. And so like I'm already like 20, almost 20 hours in and I feel like I've barely even like gotten half, like barely even halfway through the story yet. So 
I really, really like it a lot. wish that there were more PC devs that would make games like that only for the PC, because then they could just completely develop on the best hardware and everything. And then you could have games like that with that quality and attention to detail and story and everything. Uh, and then you wouldn't have to spread your, you know, your resources developing for multiple platforms. And I think that's the reason why so many of those games are mediocre that are multi-platform. It's because they have to make all these sacrifices along the development process. Whereas this game from the ground up was only built for one console. That was their intention the entire time. So they milked like every bit of heart of the hardware. And like, I just wish that there was a, a developer for PC that could do the same thing. And there isn't. And it's, there should be like Valve, but they don't, they're, they're the only developer that, that PC developer that I could still have the belief in doing that if they ever came out with Half-Life 3, but who knows oh, if drink. that's going to ever happen. Yeah. Did you say drink. that they were making, uh, they were going to release Half-Life 3? Drink. They're working on games again. That's what they said. Oh, well, that's meaningless bullshit. They're going to come out with some stupid side-scroller mobile game. Yeah, they just came out with a fucking, or they're coming out with a card game based on Dota. So, yeah. oh, they're making games again. But who, kno who you know, who really knows? That's I, too bad. I was talking uh, with Dan and Mumble the other day, and I thought I should pitch it to Gabe. They should come out with, take advantage of the Battle Royale thing, take Left 4 Dead 2, add a Battle Royale mode to that. You can revitalize that game. Because think about it. You could ha it could be like DayZ. You just have a giant map. That everyone drops into you could have the zombies still in the game so it'd be like daisy you'd have that extra element and then it would be battle royale and you just have basic guns like you have in left 4d like whatever there's like 10 guns in that game start in the melee weapons already but it would be first person only that's the 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 caveat i guess but they could totally do that like they could take the existing code just make a giant map Sell it for five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. Yeah. Look at look at what the modders have done. Remember we played like that Helm's Deep map, how big that was? Like uh and the so modders did that with the existing code. They should be able to do Valve should be able to do a much more. Well, that game itself was a mod. Like every good They bought game it from Turtle Historic. Was it Turtle Rock? They bought the studio that, that made it. I don't know. It's the bunghole one. Blue hole, whatever it's called. <laughs> no, I think it was Turtle Rock made... Uh, oh, no, you're talking about... Never mind. I'm talking about Left 4 Dead. Oh, yeah. I don't know who made the original Left 4 Dead. I forgot it was even a third-party developer. Turtle Rock Studios, yeah. Valve bought them along the development process. And that, that company was headquartered in Lake Forest. Wow. That's cool. There's a Leopard Dead map embedded inside a portal. Portal 2. And there's also a portal map embedded in Leopard Dead. What? Where? What map? Okay, so in Leopard Dead, there's a map. I don't remember which map, but you have to carry a gnome. You have to so you pick up a lawn gnome somewhere hidden in the beginning of the map, and you have to fucking carry this thing the entire time through the mission. So your AI or your human players have to protect you. And then you, I don't, you like, you take it somewhere and then this hole in the wall opens up like a, 
a door or a portal or something. One or the other appears. You step through it. You get the portal gun. And basically you need the gnome to get the portal gun. And to activate this door. I don't remember that much. And then then you're in portal with a shotgun. Or, you know, whatever guns you have. And uh, I guess you still have a portal gun. Because you get out somehow. All I remember is, like, I was in portal... I think I've only achieved it once because I dropped the gnome multiple times because you have to always like, you know, hit zombies back and stuff and your teammates have to defend you. It's really hard to do. Right. But the, but if you pass the gnome, you can't get to that point on the map. I need to try that. Sometime. You're going to have to Google that. And then in maybe the portal, I think I had it flipped. Yeah. So portal, no left for dead has the portal map. And I don't know if Portal has a Left 4 Dead map. I think it's only one. Yeah, it's just the one way, I think. And that might be a third-party map. That I can't remember. That's why you have to Google it. Because I know there was something you had to do to even play the map. And then when you're on that map, you have to very specifically find that gnome and carry the lawn gnome without any weapons while your teammates defend you. Huge pain in the ass. It takes like uh, probably 40 minutes, to help, I, I think, to get to that point, and then you find your way into the hole. Oh, I've got a little project. I, yeah? Good. Well, mine's going to be a whole thing, so yours is probably gaming-related. No, go ahead. Uh, this may benefit you. Amazon has this service called Amazon Workspaces. It lets you use a a Windows instance, a remote Windows instance that you stream the desktop to their player or you could open up RDC and connect with that way. And it uh it has a a really useful player or you know, remote viewer for the iPad. So I immediately thought of you because you've been doing that. And then you can change the way the mouse interacts. You can attach a Bluetooth mouse to, you know, route the mouse traffic into the VM. And huh. uh, the machine is designed so that to reduce cost, it suspends the virtual machine after an hour. And then you resume it. So it's perfect during work hours. But it lets you do something like, for me, I can keep a persistent browser window open with random tools that I might use. Like I could sign into steam to get access to a couple of people that are only available through steam. So I can ask them technical questions and then I can continue working or I could have my personal accounts signed in to this little, uh, you know, this little viewer into this windows machine and access any of the personal information, password manager stuff, whatever, through there versus logging in and having all that stuff on my, uh, the work computer. Cause technically so there's multiple users on the computer. Somebody could just switch to my user account and just, you know, look through my stuff. Kind of weird. So when you're at work, are you using your, I'm using your MacBook? a, I'm using their MacBook pro. Okay. I'm using their surfboard. I'm using their MacBook pro. I have my own desk now. 
Surfboards are expensive. I wouldn't expect you to. You can to... get a Costco spongy. It's like 150 bucks. I still have to get one. Eh. I'm going to leave it there. For high-speed access um, at work. I'm going to start getting into going to the beach more this year. Well, I, I want to focus on the Amazon Workspace thing because I think you can make money with this. Oh. You can have customers okay. that have thin clients. They can that you can buy TVs that support PC. Let me this up. It's called P Terra DC is the company. I'm going to drop a link for you. And the protocol and driver you install is called PC OIP, PC over IP. And it compresses text really well. So it's really clear. And you can, your customers can buy computer screens that have ethernet or Wi-Fi, and they can log in to their Amazon account. They don't even have to have a computer. I mean, obviously there's a computer embedded in that screen. The point is you can buy just a screen as a thin client. So your cheap ass, as long as your cheap ass customers can pay for the internet and a monthly bill, but they're too cheap. Well, it's to, not just paying. It's not just paying for the internet. It's having a quality connection, and that's a problem because a lot of our clients. How have can crap that connections. be a problem? You're in California. Uh, it's called Orange County and <laughs> old. That just seems is the key unbelievable. Word. Well, I'm sure the there's some application The only way you can get new lines, the only way you can get new lines set up in an area is it has to be above ground. And good luck getting approval from the city to do that. So if you ever want fiber run into a building, you basically have to get the the cable company has to get permits from the city to dig up the ground, the sidewalk, and then you can they it. have to have enough you have to have enough people in the building that are on board to sign up for the service to make the uh, ISP even considerate because yeah. it won't be worthwhile for them to run that to the building if they're only going to get 10 tenants on that service. So out of like 50. So um, it's the problem is, is there's a lot of industrial area in orange, especially Northern orange County. Um, steel places uh fabrication places packaging places like i'm talking about like cerritos anaheim like north north orange county we have a lot of clients up there and there's nothing it's just all it is is at&t and it's shitty crappy dsl where you need to have like bonded connections because it's so shitty like you can't even run your own fucking voip service it's that bad so you have to have wow. a bonded connection yeah, to make that work. And there's a company called DSL Extreme that kind of specializes in that. But we used to work with them a lot, and they're a crap company. They have, like, very poor customer support and stuff like that. And um, AT&T obviously isn't good either, but at least they own the lines in the ground, and you're going to get the best price from them. Whereas going through these guys, it's like, they jigger rig the setup to get you like one meg extra, you know, than you can normally get. And then you're paying a lot of money to them every month and it's like a year commitment. So 
we have these clients that just they don't want to deal with that. They just stick with the shit AT&T service and they have packet loss all day long. Remember that client that I sent that picture of? I was running a uh, a ping test on their machine and their latency would hit like up to like almost 4000 MS. It was like 3800 oh MS. Yeah. AT that's that's all there is there. It's just crap lines in the ground run by a crap company. Shit, sorry about that. Um so that's that's the problem. But this solution, I like this because really what this is, um if you were gonna do this in a Windows setup, obviously I mean you would it's probably the only just have for this. Okay, so let me ask you this. What advantage do you have running this if you were instead to set up a bunch of thin clients in an office on a local network with a server that is doling out virtual uh uh a server with virtualization running doling out uh uh windows uh images to to run with um i give zero fucks about this it works and they have their own custom client where i can be fucking anywhere on any device i sign in it tickles the the server end to wake my image up and then it sits there spinning for like a minute or two and then the image is up and I can determine how long before it goes to suspend mode again. For me, I want it to be an hour. I don't want to pay extra to keep the system running when I'm not using it. Um, I have the $120 a month server. I could totally put an image on. It's not going to have this particular codec. I'd be using the Microsoft RDC thing, which is perfectly fine. It's adequate. Probably it might even be a higher frame rate. I don't know. But anyway, this is really, um, I don't have to think about anything and it has like a domain controller already built in. So for you, it would be a easy point and click solution for you to just to kick back and click buttons in your Amazon setup and apply group policies and stuff to all of the customers on this little GUI. There's probably something like this built into Azure. If you uh, look at their pricing and figure out if they have a way to automatically turn off the machines so that the customers don't get billed every hour, that would probably reduce the cost. But that is basically what Microsoft's doing here, or uh, Amazon. Yeah. I think that's... It would just be really hard to manage that on a day-to-day basis with clients, and we would be getting screened for billing and stuff like that. No, because they wouldn't, they, you cannot, you got to remember, people are fucking stupid and you're never going to be able to condition an entire office of 10 employees to follow a protocol every single day, like turn off their machine. Or you don't have to. It's Make automatic. sure there's no services running, close everything down. Like it's automatic because you're built, you're you built by do the anything. hour for all that. I know. And it automatically suspends. So you don't get billed anymore. That's what I'm saying. It solves yeah, all if, of those problems you just said. That's why this is cool. I don't have to care about anything. I just walk away and I get it stops billing me. But if they're running Windows VMs, uh, they are going to have services that have to run inherently. Like if we have. Yes. And it does that too. Moder- the, our the monitoring will software. Boot up. How does that. It'll boot up once a month to get updates. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like where you have daily malware scans that are scheduled. Like if you have you can management, schedule that too. There's a little scheduling thing. 
okay, but that's where it's going to become a problem because then you're going to be using, you're going to have to pay. Okay, let's say you have 20 machines in an office. You've got that management uh, software running on all of those machines doing uh, definition checks, um, then doing scans. It sometimes can take over an hour to run. And you've got those running every single day, but you want to save money by not having to pay for the services at the end of the day. So you want to close, shut your shit down. Well, you can't run those things during the day because it's, and that's the other thing. Okay. So the performance of this stuff, normally if you've got like something really that's scanning little tiny files constantly, like a, like a malware scan, then how much like our Amazon server is going to be able to handle that on all those machines running simultaneously. Yeah. What yeah. I mean by that, what I what I mean by that though, is without slowing down your workflow, because yeah, you can get provisioned IOPS if you want. You can say, "I want this performance. I'm going to pay more uh, see, to that's, get this," that's, or I can do this at bursts and and bursts and stuff. You can do whatever you want. I think for small scale, this is really cool, and I could see some clients that this would work for. But the problem is, is that if you have people that are penny pinchers, and we have plenty of those clients. I guarantee you, if you pitch the same idea as a local solution instead of a, just a server in the office running a bunch of VMs, yeah, they're gonna pay everybody uh, can three thousand dollars for a server. Yeah, but that three thousand dollars will last them at least five years. How much are you gonna be paying Amazon over five years if you do the same thing with this? No idea. And you need those I high, that high my, performance. No, I can just adjust my image. Uh, uh, but yet you said there's tier. There's something else. Like there's. T- there's tiered performance though, right? Like you, you, you can, can pick pay. whatever you want. They got all kinds of different options. So if I wanted like um, equivalent to because like, I'm looking on this, I'm looking on their pricing right now. Like if I want something equivalent to like uh, performance wise, equivalent to like a i5 with an M.2 drive and like 16 gigs of RAM. Is that going to be reasonable or am I going to have to get pricing for something that's going to be like a shitty i3 performance? I think that would you know, be with... close to the uh, the standard or okay. yeah, whatever they call it, the standard model. When the system first boots, I like it's got to warm up. So it, it performs I like all this stuff. fine I like, after. I like all virtual... I really like virtualization. It's really cool. And any services like this that run over the internet that do that i like too just the problem is is the way that the billing works it it can get really expensive really quickly i'll let you know in 30 days i'm gonna keep this thing going and uh, i only use it during business hours so the bill will be exactly what an individual would pay or a business would pay for their uh, work instance um, there was something and it's not else just about price, it. though. This, the, I was just gonna just to end with that. The second layer, though, is the the bandwidth. If you have shit, if you have a shit connection, then this does you no good. If you can stream YouTube videos, you can do this. So, yeah, but YouTube videos buffer. You can't sit there and wait. You know, like when you're in the middle of working on stuff, people need stuff to work instantly. They can't sit there and wait a few seconds for it to catch up. That's fine for remote oh, sessions when we're troubleshooting say. things, but 
All right. Uh, it would also be really handy for the odd customer that has a uh, like a an iPad, and then they have some particular like accounting software that they need to run, and it's some old legacy Windows. Uh, thing. Yeah. So you could have them set up with the particular version of Windows 7 and some Windows XP VM so that they can run some DOS application or something and they would just stream it to their iPad and they can do that over LTE. Yeah. The latency to Oregon, because that's the only region on the West Coast that's available for this particular service. That the latency is 30 milliseconds, so it it's really low. It's more than adequate for even a VoIP call. Even going to the East Coast is still pretty good. Obviously, you can communicate with people there. And that's like 50 milliseconds to 70, depending on the colo. Yeah. They have a graphics God, this- one, too. A graphics one. I guess it's got a GPU or something. It's got like 16 gigs of RAM and everything Some you'd video want. Video editing. It's probably a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, you got to pay for the licenses for the software too. Obviously. Yeah. Well, the problem with. Yeah, I don't. I'm. That's a tangent. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I was going to go off on a zero management. Shit which is why I think that you'd find this valuable for uh, a lot of customers because you'd never have to... There's zero management. There's zero management except for the fact that when their internet goes down, their entire business is down. Their business is down anyway. Their internet's out. No, because if if you have a local... If you have a domain structure, people could still work off files on a local server. Nobody's doing that. They could... Yeah, there are. There's plenty of people that do that. The internet goes out. Everybody goes home. Uh, you might as well not lose the always. Power. Not always, but it it is gen- super these rare. These days, yeah, they have no um, phones. They can't email people. They're dead in the water. They're not doing anything that day because most businesses are operating completely on phone calls and emails. The phones they usually have a fallback to a um. Like they'll do a, um, uh, what do you call it? They have like dual cable modems and then maybe there's a battery backup for the phone one. Yeah. I mean, well, or we could just set them up on a battery backup anyway, have both, both devices, but that would but that assuming, doesn't help that'd be assuming there's a power ISP. outage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The internet goes out there. Fuck. At least when it's hosted somewhere else, you can just walk away from that internet connection, connect to something else, and continue working. None of your stuff got closed. Uh, none of your work was dependent on that physical machine. You just wait. I guess here's here's a good way to to sum it up. You're working on a document. Let's say it's an Excel spreadsheet. You're doing data entry. Internet goes out. Bye bye. Goes anything you were doing. If you're oh, working it, on a local, if you're if that file that you're working it's, on is it's still there, Nate. 
How are you making I just changes? Just go to, to another it? system, log in, and continue typing. But how how are you? No, no, I'm saying if the internet goes out. Yeah. Like, are you talking about like Amazon like, didn't? Like, nothing happened in to Amazon. To, I just log into another. It's just I'm looking at a portal. Yeah, but log into another machine. Like, if you're in an office, how are you going to do that? Presumably, I want... the, it, you're not going to do that with a thin client. This is a really a laptop, stupid conversation. Yeah, then you could, you could, you could. If you had a laptop, you could tether it to your phone. But these thin clients, you can't do anything. Once the connection goes out, you can't. You're done. Like, there's nothing on the screen that you can do anymore. So. If, at least if you're on a local network with a local server, anything that you're working on will still be there because the server's not going offline. Even though the internet's down, the server's still there. The local network is still up and any files that you were accessing, I mean, in this case, it would be just virtualized sessions from the server. So any files you're accessing are on the same machine anyway. So it's, you're not going to, and to a certain extent, you're right. Yeah, like when the internet goes down, yeah, your phones are down. You know, you can't obviously get email. You can't look any, look up anything online. But if you're doing data entry, which a lot of our clients do, you can still do that. Because they're just working from documents from the server already. So if they had virtualized sessions... Right, we've got to run this in circles okay. too long. I like... Bottom line is I like that idea i just don't think because you were saying like this is going to be a solution for all of our clients and everything in the beginning i just i if if it was a perfect world and all of them had great internet connections and their employees weren't fucking idiots then i could probably see that working but it's wishful thinking at this point well i know you've got somebody who uh has an ipad and that needed to access some Windows application. Um, I don't. I don't remember who it was. Did you know that I have a business network mumble server that has like ten people in it at all times? No. Pub.bringyourwallet.com. That's the address to the mumble server. But if you go to bringyourwallet.com/slash/business-networking or slash bn, there's uh, all the information you need. It's a separate mumble server. And I'm in there just kind of passively during business hours in case I need to message somebody. And then uh, I haven't tapped anybody in there for any of their skills yet, but I am accruing my army in the business network, business networking mobile server. It's mostly just gamers as far as I can tell right now, because they're all hanging out in these different game channels and I give the regulars admin privileges and I tell them like don't kick people for no reason just for you know being annoying and then I I can look through the logs and I can see the reasons that they kicked people for and it's like uh faggotry <laughs> um <laughs> I can't think of the other reasons. That's, I like that that's, that's not even a real word. It's just, that's <laughs> <laughs> just funny. <laughs> well, that's the main reason to kick somebody. Just Bag some card joins in. His name is Cockmeat, and he just starts blasting like Russian music at you. <laughs> You're kicked. 
So those guys keep the fort, you know, they keep everything held in place and they stop the uh, hooligans from running off with all my channels because, you know, you can just take, you can just take a mumble channel. They're your own personal brown coats. They are. It's the, uh, what are they, what's that called? The, uh, the Gestapo. There you go. They're, uh, Stasi. Stasi are Russian though, aren't they? Like they're wet. They're East uh, East German. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I think the, what was the thing I said before? The Gestapo. That was Hitler. That was like Nazi Germany. They were like the, the police that would go and like just, they were federal police basically. Kind of like the SS, except like they were lower rank and they would go around and just harass people. Kind of like thug asshole cops basically. Yeah, but the most these guys can do is kick. They can't ban or anything. So they're just like... I've equipped them with uh, little bubble blowing gum guns. They can't do much. The person could still reconnect. So a bot could potentially just keep reconnecting and blasting, blasting music into all the channels. Um, I should give somebody ban, but the problem is I've been kicked from my own server before. Needless to say, <sighs> like I got perma banned and yeah. uh, you really should play insurgency. Yeah, that's enough for the show. I, I, I'm afraid I'm, I'm I'm afraid my PC is a little too powerful now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll I'll uh, install it again for the hundredth time in the last year. <laughs> yeah, bringyourwallet.com/slash/contact for feedback and suggestions. Bringyourwallet.com/slash/donate and slash business networking. That's a little long, though, isn't it? Let me see if I've got a shortcut for that. Uh, bring your wallet. Uh, there's a drop down menu, I guess you could just use that. Bring your wallet.com, and then under projects, there's a business networking tab, and that's where it shows you all the information for the mobile server. And you can download Mumble on your phone, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, and Linux. It's open source, and there's also a uh, Slack channel. Nobody really uses it since they use Mumble. I'll see you next week. Sign on.